Now, let me say this to you. I want to, I want to start with part two of a series. And uh, I started at, at in our first service today. And so if you missed it, go back and listen to that sermon on demand. It is absolutely worth it. I am not going to repeat it all. I was going to. I was going to repeat a bit of it. But I'm going to just simply say a little bit. And then I'm going to go to part two because it's so important. Uh, the first thing that I talked about this morning was from the theme, Are You Really Listening? And I shared with you a message centered around the idea of the moment you hear God's voice, harden not your heart. And I talked about the importance of being able to adjust in your season of life when you face a challenge. Then I shared some shocking news that surprised everybody. Uh, two weeks ago, I contracted COVID-19. I'm over it now. I'm 100%. Ain't nothing wrong. Come on, give God some praise. Amen. I'm fine. Amen. Now, I know for some of you that's shocking, and it's shocking for me because I am the mass wearingest, most vaccinating I've got the booster. If there was another booster in this hip, I'd get that one too. Uh, I got all the shots, everything. But we went on a, a trip, my wife and I, to celebrate our 40th anniversary. And when I came back, I was fine. We landed on Saturday. I took a test. I was, I was negative. But I felt my sinuses were kicking up a little bit more than normal. And so I went and tested myself again on that Monday morning early, like 2 in the morning, and found out that I was positive. And so I had to segregate for my wife for, for Christmas. Uh, but I did, a, I did a video. Maybe one day I'll show you my videos. It's called COVID Day One with Pastor Rick. And I had different dance moves, and I did all kinds of great things. It was an amazing season of challenge, but we came through it. Uh, for Christmas, I had to stay isolated. They had to show me my gifts on, on FaceTime. But we made it through. And uh, I worked out, exercised every day. Uh, I had uh, very minor symptoms. Out of a scale of 1 to 10, I had a 1, minus 1. I mean, very minor symptoms. I'm asymptomatic. And I, I thank God for his grace. Now, here's what I said. I'm a breakthrough case. I'm somebody that did every single thing right. Now, I used to, when I saw somebody that had COVID, I used to always say, uh, what did you do? Did you, did you not wear your mask? What did you do? Did, and, I, and I'm telling you, honest to God, in New York, which is one of the safest places, I know now it broke out the week I was there, but they, you can't go in a restaurant in New York without having a mask on. You can't check into a hotel without having, a, without having uh, vaccinations. You can't go into a restaurant without having vaccinations. You can't, I mean, everything, everything is completely locked down. And that's the way, that's why we chose to go there because we hadn't celebrated our anniversary. And last year, so we said, well, we're going we'll to find the safest place we can go. But it happened. So anyway, when people ask, I used to see people and they said they, they caught COVID. I said, well, what did you do? And I would, I would in the back of my head say, oh, they didn't do something. But here's what I say. If you're in a, in a firefight and some of you soldiers can, re can relate to this and people are shooting at you from all angles and then when somebody shoots you, you say, who shot me? Well, I don't know who shot me, the guy who saw me. That's who shot me. The main thing is I survived it. You can't, then this, with this disease, you can't always predict not always. And I talk about it in detail in the sermon, so you can go back and listen to it. And I share how sometimes you can do everything you're supposed to do. And you're a soldier. You're in a combat situation. Something can go wrong. Something can happen. And when it does, what you ought to do is not fall apart. And I didn't. I decided, and I'm going to say the hardest part about it for me was realizing that for eight, nine days, ten days, you can't, you can't leave this area. And so I decided to make it a project. 
So I, I, I came up with the study project. I did sermons. I did uh, advanced planning. I did new budgets. I opened a new investment account. I sure did. A new investment account. I sure did. I found ways to occupy myself. I exercised every day. And I did my videos for my family, which maybe one day I might show you. I don't know. I'll think about it. They were hilarious. They were wonderful. And I believe the goal was to make, it, make the best of it. We need to understand the power of a challenge and how you respond to that challenge. But what I did after I talked about that, I shared how, why I felt I did well, and I shared a lot. So I'm not going to go back over part one. Please go listen to the sermon. Let me share part two. And I call this sermon Balancing the Theology of Catching COVID. Now, the reason I say that is because for me, a lot of things come to your mind when you go through a challenge. You can have a lot of views until it's your turn. And when you have challenges and when you have difficulties, what does the Bible say about it? And there are two questions that I'm going to deal with that I think are important. Number one is, if I'm a Christian who walks in faith, how can I possibly catch COVID? If I'm doing what God said, I did everything I'm supposed to do, how in the world could I possibly catch COVID? Then secondly, does God have the sovereign right to say, I'm going to let you go through this? You can pray for healing. You can ask me, but I'm, I'm going to let you walk through this because I'm God. I can help you get through it. And I want to teach you something on the other side of it. Now, again, I know that for, for, for me, one of the big lessons that I've learned in this season is our theology needs to be adjusted. What we believe the Bible says, a lot of Christians use the Bible in this season in an unwise way. They have a theology that says, I can't catch nothing because I'm saved. I, I know God, so I'm, I'm above and beyond all that. Well, I said in the first sermon, you are not above your Lord. They crucified Christ. You can be crucified. You can have a problem in your life, even if it's not your fault, because you're in a war zone. Things can happen. And so you are supposed to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So you shouldn't be intimidated. Now, any soldier will tell you, if you go to battle and you're afraid to get hurt, you're not going to win. If you go to battle and you're intimidated, we cannot be intimidated by this disease. We cannot be intimidated by this season. We cannot be intimidated by anything. But we have to respect the enemy we fight. We have to understand the power of what we're fighting. And there's a verse in Psalms 34, verse 19, that I love. Here's what it says. Psalm 34, 19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. The Lord delivers them out of them all. The, the, the righteous have many afflictions, the King James says, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. The idea that the Bible somehow teaches that a person who serves God can't have a problem is unbiblical. You cannot read the Bible for, for, for any length of time and not find people who love God having trouble. Noah had a flood. Abraham had to run for food. You don't find anybody. Joseph got put in prison. Uh, Moses and his family were locked up. They, they, they whole, all of Israel was in, in um, slavery for 400 years. Uh, Moses got to the Red Sea and he couldn't get across. Go down the road. It's, it's, it's Job. Job's whole body was lost his whole family. I mean, go throughout the Bible and you'll see example after example after example of people with trouble. Don't start in the book of Acts. Jesus got killed. I mean, a lot of people had trouble. This sanctified idea, this purified idea that somehow when you're saved, nothing bad can ever happen to you. And some of you, that's how you act. When things go bad, you just fall apart. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. They, they shoot at me. Well, you're shooting at the devil. You're trying to kill him. You're trying to stop his kingdom. He's trying to stop you. And so when we have a trial or a difficulty or a, challenge or a financial challenge, you're not getting anywhere. A friend of mine who said to me one time, he said, you're not doing anything until you have money trouble. 
until you, until, you can't, until you can't afford what you're doing, that's when you know you're in the middle of something good, when there's a challenge in front of you. And so I want to give you another verse, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Because in Daniel chapter 3, some might come to me and say, well, Pastor Rick, how can you say God would deliver us if my family member died? Some people did not have my story with COVID. They lost their family member. Some people didn't, don't have my testimony. On a scale of 1 to 10, it was a 12 for them. Some of you right here right now didn't have my testimony. I talk about why that may be true. Sometimes it happened because a person didn't take care of themselves. Sometimes they took care of themselves, but somebody else gave it to them and didn't mean to. And sometimes they don't know why. Sometimes there's no answer. One of the big problems with Christian teaching and doctrine is we act like we got all the answers. You won't know some things till you get to heaven. Now, that may disappoint you, but there's some things that just don't make sense. Some of you are good people, work really hard, but you still don't have any money hardly. You struggled most of your life financially. And is it your fault? Not all the time. Your kids drained it out of you. Somebody stole it from you. Things happened. The business went bad because somebody wrecked the business. I mean, I know there are a lot of testimonies. And what I like about Daniel chapter 3 is Daniel is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing there about to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar said, unless you bow down, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. They said something that helps us during this season. They have what I call Hebrew boy faith. It can go both ways. Listen to what it says, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, replied to Nebuchadnezzar. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Pause. He's able to deliver us if he wants to. Pause. Think about that for a minute. Before you throw us in here, notice God can intervene. He says, and he will deliver us from your, from your, from your majestic hand. God will ultimately deliver us from you, sir. Listen to this, this verse 18. But if he does not, <clears throat> now you, you might say, well, wait a minute. You just said he will, but then you said, but if he does not. Notice what they do. They give God the right to make a sovereign choice. This could be the end. But let me tell you, if it is the end, he still could deliver us. I call that Hebrew boy faith. I believe God whether I get the victory now or I get the victory later. I, 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 I worship God whether I get the victory in heaven or here. My faith is not tied to some outcome I demand. I believe ultimately I'm going to win. Notice their attitude. If he does not, verse 18 says, this is Daniel chapter 3, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Notice how they responded. We don't care what happens. We trust God no matter what. We trust God no matter how long this takes. Every day when you have this challenge and you test yourself like I did, it's negative. It's positive, brother. Positive, positive, positive. And sometimes that's the way it is. You wait one day for a job, two days for a job, three days for a job, four days for an opening, six days, seven days, eight days, nine days, ten days. And you're waiting for God to do something for you. You're waiting for God to open the door for you. You're waiting for God to give you a miracle. Waiting for God. And while you're waiting for God to give you a miracle, you're waiting for God to open the door for you, 
If you're not careful, you get frustrated because it's not here right now. Your husband didn't show up today. You're mad because you, you prayed. You, you got your wedding gown. You put it on. You tried it on. You got it all sized up, and you, the man's still not here. And that was two years ago. If you're not careful, you've got your timetable and your method laid out. This is how God should do it. You wanted your mama to live. So did I. You didn't want to have a disease. You didn't want to have a physical challenge. You want to stay on that job. You prayed to stay on that job, but you didn't stay on that job. Does God have a sovereign right to say, no, no, in this moment, I'm not going to do that for you? Now, let me say this to you. I want you to be clear about this. There is something called the sovereignty of God, which means independence of God, where God chooses to do things or not do things. And I don't think that we believe God has the right to do that. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul is facing death. Paul has done nothing to deserve death but stand up for Christ. Paul has done nothing, nothing at all. But I want you to think about this for a minute. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. For I'm ready, Paul said, I am ready, already being, I'm sorry, poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will, be, will reward, award me, to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Now, here's what I want you to think about. This is a guy who didn't want to die. This is a guy who didn't deserve to die. But this is a guy who said, you know what? It's God's decision. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to do all I can, say all I can, Trust my God and put it in his hand. There's something powerful about that. When you give your life, when you give your service, like these men over here who've given their service, I appreciate you guys over there giving your service, helping us, giving the service over there. Make sure they know that I see them. They're amazing. Guys who sacrifice their life to come out here and park these cars and sovereignly choose on their own, sovereignly choose on their own to volunteer and serve. It's amazing. When you sovereignly choose, God sovereignly chooses to do things for you. God sovereignly chooses to bless you. God sovereignly chooses to lift you up. God sovereignly chooses. But if God says, you know, that's the end. Your time is up. You've done all you can do. You've given all you can give. You've, you have, you have, you've, you've donated all the time I want you to donate. It's time to go home. Paul said, hey, it's time to go home. It's over. There's no more that I want you to do. God made that sovereign choice. When I face a challenge, I have to put my hand and my outcome in God's hand. I cannot be frustrated. I cannot allow myself to be frustrated. I cannot allow myself to get lost. I cannot allow myself to, to, to lose my way. If I do, then everything that I say about God isn't true. I become God to him. I, get, I tell God, you better do this. I better not catch that. Here's what I believe. I do what I can, but I act like a soldier who's tough. And I remember what Paul said. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished my course. Now I put the rest in God's hand. I know there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 takes you down another road. They give you another angle to this. In Hebrews 11 verse 35, it gives you two sides. Women receive back their dead raised to life again. That's one side. Verse 35 says, there were others, others, others who were tortured. Some had a great miracle. 
Others were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were also sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. How do I answer that? See, I read the Bible, and I, I want to read it one way. I, I can't promise you that we won't have challenges. We were not, what did Jesus die for us? Supposed to have a problem-free life, no challenges, no difficulties. We're fall, we, we claim to have power, but when there's a challenge, we fall apart. When there's a difficulty, we give up. It's almost like, well, why, was I, why were we doing this singing? Verse 37 says, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute. Look at that, persecuted. So they had financial challenges. They were destitute, verse, verse 37 said. Uh, I mean, they, they were persecuted, verse uh, 35 said. These folks had challenges. That was part of their life. I don't believe that God has called us to be whiny, surrendering, worried Christians who don't have faith and confidence in God. I don't believe that God wants us to be people who have lost our way and don't have faith in his word. I don't believe that. I believe God wants us to have faith, faith in the word, faith in what he says, faith in what he told us, even when it's not pretty. I told God this, I will not insult you with unbelief. I will not insult you after all you've done for me, after all you've given to me, after all you've blessed me with, after all you've lifted me up with. I'm not going to allow myself to be insulted with unbelief. I'm not. I don't care how long we go through this challenge. I don't care how many days or weeks it takes. I don't care whether it's high noon or, or, or cold in the night. I don't care what it is. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to trust my God until we make it through all of this, and I refuse no matter what comes my way, no matter what challenges we face, he's still God. Can I get an amen to that? He's still God. Now, I believe there's a lot that we're learning in this season as I close. First, you know, you see children in the mall cutting up. The first thing you say, you say to yourself, well, where, where are their parents? You know, what, 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 in this moment, I'm looking around saying, now, we, we, we got all these Christian singers. We got all these Christian conferences. We got all these Bibles. We got all these books. We got all this stuff going on. And I'm saying to myself, man, it seemed like we'd do better. It seemed like we would cooperate together. Churches would help the community not spread this disease. It seemed like I, I, sometimes I, I say we didn't raise our children right. Theologically, biblically, we are our neighbor's keeper. The reason I'm doing this is because we are our neighbor's keeper. I'm not saying it's wrong to gather inside. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. And you know churches, sometimes they clean over here, but they don't clean over there, you know. They don't do it. They don't, they're not consistent. Sometimes they start and then they stop. Always praying for forgiveness because they start and stop. If we're going to be lights to the world, we got to be consistent. I've also noticed this. I think we've allowed our politics somehow to, be, to, to become our identity. I think that's a dangerous thing we've done as Christians in this, in this season. And we spend too much time arguing about stuff that doesn't have any, that, I mean, I care about the politics. Believe me, I do. I'm, ad, I'm an advent, um, how can I say it? I am a committed believer in 
the political system, praying, voting, all that stuff. But I'm, I'm, I'm called by God to preach Jesus first. And what we've done in, in, in a lot of this community, a lot of, our, a lot of this season, the Christians have gotten off. And they're arguing about masks and arguing about their rights. And I'm trying to say, well, back up the train just a little bit. Now they become scientists. They become doctors. They become professionals about everything. And I think we're losing our way, and we got to re refocused. And sometimes what's really sad is we've lost the respect of the world. People notice that you don't care. People notice when you're not consistent. And our spiritual children have been raised in a way that's not balanced. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 2 says this, do not do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Our job is to handle the Bible right and not use the Bible foolishly, to not take risks we don't have to take. There are things that I see in the Christian church today that concern me. You know, there's a verse in 2 Chronicles 7 that we read all the time, and we always quote it. If my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then God will heal the land. We like that verse, but you got to read that verse carefully. First of all, he's talking to his people. And he says, they're called by my name. They represent me. And then he says, what I need them to do don't talk about the world. Don't talk about the unsaved. Don't talk about those who don't love God. He said, if my people would turn from their wicked ways, then we'd hear from heaven. It, it's all about we, we lead the path. We lead the charge. So, church, here's what I want you to do. I want you to celebrate the God you serve. Be a light and an example. I want you to begin to look at how you live your life. We're going to make it through this season. God is faithful. If you lost somebody during this season, God has them in his hand. You are a gift to the world for a season. All of us live for a season. All of us live for a season. And as I get older, I see that season coming to a close. Now, I still got time on the clock. I believe that. I try to live like that. I try to eat like that. I try to exercise. I try to do all I can to keep my time on the clock. But there's a verse in Peter that says, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. I say this to people when they lose loved ones. A friend of mine who lost somebody, I told him once, he said, I, I, he said Rick, I, I just feel sad. I feel like my child won't know who I am when they die. I feel like the end of their life was when they died. And I said, no, no. I said, you have to understand. He said, if my child could see me from heaven, that they would be sad. And I just, that grieves me to think that my daughter would not see me. And I said, no, I believe your daughter can see you. But I believe your daughter sees it from another angle, from a heavenly angle. Because Peter said this, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. If you took a thousand, okay, a thousand, and divided it by 24 hours, which makes up a day, you come with around 41.66, so round up to 42 years. Every hour in heaven is equal to 42 of our years. So if you're 80 years old, you've only lived about two hours in heaven. It's time. So your child, someone who dies of COVID or dies for any reason, if they were looking at you, they would see that you don't have much time on the clock. In their mind, we'll see you in a few minutes. Let me say it again. One hour in heaven is 42 years of our time. 
So if you're 42 years old, you're just an hour old in heaven. They're about. It took Jesus about 30 minutes to save the world. Heaven's time. It, see, God sees, that's why he says your life is like a vapor. It comes and it goes. I realize that I'm only here for a short time. And I don't need to grieve. People in heaven are saying, hang in there, you ain't got but a few more minutes. Hang in there, I'll see you in a few more minutes. Your mama's saying it, your grandmama's saying it, your daddy is saying it. Everybody's in heaven shooting, rooting for you, saying, hang in there. I know it seems long to you in earth years, but it's a few minutes in heaven's time, and you're going to be there with me in a few more minutes. So you can shout, you can be happy, because God is going to get you there. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me. Father, I pray that what I've said today would be helpful. I pray that we really listen today. I pray that we'd have mature theology, that we'd put this in your hands, your sovereign hands. We, we put the length of our life in your hand. We put our finances in your hand. We put the things we can't change and control, the people that don't like us, we put them in your hand. We put our enemies in your hand, and we trust you, oh God, that we will overcome and we will be victorious. And I give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.